Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Y'all know what time it is. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Tuesday night, October the 30th, 2018, the night before Halloween, All Hallows Eve Eve, if you will. I'm Dre, he's Jay, we're in the house to recap week eight in the NFL this season. Not quite the halfway point, but you know, it's close enough, because by week nine it'll be more than a halfway point. Week eight had a lot of uh, activity, as, as usual, in the NFL. Uh, I got to see a lot of the action. Uh, Jay was on a family weekend having some fun down in Chicago, so he didn't get to see as much of the action. Uh, so we will be a little lighter than normal, maybe, on the uh, the actual game uh, content. Uh, but, you know, halfway through the season or, or thereabouts, it's a good time to maybe play some real or fake and, and see what we can make out of some of these teams here at the halfway point. So we'll we'll figure it out as we go along. Uh, Jay, how was your, your weekend with the family? It was good. We had a good time down in Chicago. Uh, got to, you know, my kids getting a little older now. They got to experience, you know, things and the, they, they can remember, you know, get some memories. Uh, they got their first experience on the train. So that, that was, that. Uh, yeah. You know, and as we we're getting on the station, uh, at you know getting on the getting on the train going into the train station and we're at the uh, River Road uh, station you know out by O'Hare, which now they call the Rosemont Station. Uh, all these changes, you, you start getting old. You don't like change, right? Uh, you you broke life. up for a second. Now they call it what? Rosemont. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but all my life that was River Road. That, that was always the yeah. River Road station out there. It was the last station before the airport, and out, about the closest uh, train stop to where we were staying out in the suburbs there. So, took the family down, and the, the no joke, we are basically we just bought our passes and our you know scanning because now you just scan a card, and we're scanning our mm-hmm. cards to get on there. And there's a guy who, who's uh, basically I want to say drunk, and it's like twelve <laughs> thirty in the afternoon. Um, you got started but, early. Pr- pr- yeah, drunk, high, some <laughs> something thereabouts, arguing with the lady um, who was going to, I swear, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure at some point she told him that she was just trying to help him so that he didn't get either beat upside his head or arrested, I believe was <laughs> what was that. So that's a fun way to start our, start our excursion onto the train and you know, and uh, my daughter was being adventurous. She kept wanting to stand on the train. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know, hey. She's like, can I stand? I'm like, sure. People stand on the train all the time. Now, obviously, there's nobody on the train. and But she she thought it was fun trying to do the old train surfing and, you know, with, with the starts and stops and all the bumps and everything. She thought that was probably the best part for her was just riding the train and, and bumping around. And my son, at one point, we were sitting on the aisles across from each other. You know, we're by the door where you have the two seats facing each other on each side. Mm-hmm. 
and my son decided he wanted to walk over because my wife was on the other seat with my daughter and he wanted to walk over to them and the train started moving real suddenly and he pretty much started like flying up the aisle almost flew into a person's lap yeah oh boy yep so yeah we took the took the train downtown and we went and did some you know some sightseeing and some touristy stuff and no we had a good time it was it was a fun trip that's great the first time on the train the first time experiencing some real chicago you gotta it's not a a, it's not an authentic trip to chicago until you see somebody under the influence of something Yes, basically being told they got about to get beat upside the head. It's an official Chicago term, upside the head. Upside uh, the so head. Yeah. <laughs> so week eight uh, in the NFL uh, saw some interesting developments and then some even more interesting developments in the days uh, afterwards with all the firings and trades and everything that went down. Uh, yeah. well, what do you want to get into about week eight uh, right off the bat? Well, I do, I do like the, even though it hasn't, it's not like huge names, but I do like this later trade deadline. If they bump this out even another two more weeks, you know, maybe that week of games or that week before Thanksgiving, not the week of, but that week before Thanksgiving, they could, they could afford to push this out about two more weeks. So you, I think you could see a little bit more dumping. You know, teams that know that they're about to lose a guy to free agency and you can do the rental player stuff. And you're, you're seeing a lot more uh, this year. We saw some we saw some names. I don't know if they're great names, but, you know, Golden Tate got traded. Dante Fowler got traded off the Jags. Uh, uh, Darius Thomas got traded. So so guys who are who were name guys or guys who were good guys, you know, a few years ago, but they're, they're clearly at the end of a contract. And a, a team's like, hey, if we can get something for this guy versus he just walks in free agency at the end of the season, very similar to what baseball does, uh, which still has the best trade deadline. If we can get, we, we got six or seven trades today in football, and I think if they, if if football was smart, they'd push this out about two more weeks, get this to about week ten, and uh, I, I think you'd really see this thing explode. You'd 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 have coverage of the NFL trade deadline just like what you see with baseball. Right. And that's really radical for the NFL. So I, I don't imagine that happening. This is incredible what's happening now because we didn't have this yeah. five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 no. years ago. That well, used trade to be the deadline trade after, deadline was like week. Yeah. It was like week four. It used to be. Yeah. It felt like it was after like week six or so. It was really yeah. early in the mm-hmm. season and nothing happened because every team at that point still thinks they're in it except for yep. like the complete total dregs and the complete total dregs at that point don't have anything of value that anyone would want to trade for. So there's, there's no, no point, but this is definitely progress. There's definitely teams that are looking at, well, we're out, we're kind of out of it. We're kind of in it, but not really. So let's see what we can make happen here. Uh, yeah. I can see Denver making that trade and, and getting rid of their number one wide receiver and getting some, some asset for him. Because they're, they're, that's pretty much run its course. Demarius Thomas is, I think, 30. And yep. he's not going to get any better. Um, and what he was was a pretty damn good receiver for a while. But he, all, even at his peak, always had the dropsies. And so now only getting older, uh, it's only going to get worse. So good job on them to get rid of him. I was actually surprised by Detroit moving Golden Tate. That division appears to be... Uh, I, don't, I guess up for grabs as far as I'm concerned. I, I think any of those four teams could win that division, really. Um, so for them to sort of give in on him, 
I guess I understand the move. If you don't think you're going to sign him or you think you can get some, you know, real significant value for him right now, but they just took a significant chunk out of a pretty decent wide receiver core, not a really good receiving core, but a decent one. Uh, but it might open up some room for, for Kenny Galladay to grow and, and blossom into. Maybe they think he's the number one receiver if he just gets the, the opportunity and this is their way of giving him a chance. So it, it might all work out uh, in the end. But that was the one that kind of really uh, not shocked me, but what surprised me a little bit. Yeah, that was the one, the first one that I saw today when I was scanning through the news. And I was like, mm, all right. I, I didn't really look at that as Detroit in a dump mode, I, you know, I think that maybe they're looking at it like, okay, maybe, maybe somebody comes off of the heap in the NFC North, but I don't think Detroit looks at themselves as a, as a title contender. And, and if you can get a, if you can get a draft pick or you can get some value back on a player, you don't, you, you know, you're not going to resign and somebody's calling for them. Take the deal. I mean, the, the Demarius Thomas trade, I think made perfect sense. Houston needed a, a number two guy now that uh, Will Fuller's done again. And uh, it's it's good for Demarius Thomas because, like you said, he's 30. I don't really know if he was even the number one guy anymore in Denver, but he was clearly the number one name guy. So at least he's going to a situation now where he's going to probably be open a lot because you're going to have DeAndre Hopkins picking up the majority of the coverages uh from the teams that Houston are going to play. So Thomas going there could maybe that'll revitalize him a little bit and he can get some work done underneath. Uh, Cause I don't think he's the guy who's going to sort of take the top off of a defense anymore. And golden Tate goes to Philadelphia. That's a smart move for the defending champions. They add another weapon. So Carson Wentz can uh, have a, another toy to play with. And if they can develop a chemistry, then you, you got a, another, a very potent weapon for an offense that potentially could be one of the top uh, offenses in the league if wins continues to develop. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Philadelphia now in, you know, a little bit of an unfamiliar spot here, you know, two games back in the loss column in that division. Um, not what we were expecting at, at this point in the season, not what we were through eight weeks. I don't think we were looking at this division um, being separated by basically a game and a half uh, with Washington on top, I mean, and Dallas just traded for Amari Cooper. But like we were talking, I think we talked about that on the last show that this is the no excuses trade now for Dak Prescott. There's that's right. no that that's it. This is this is the telegraphing of we're loading this team up. You've got the best offensive line in football. You've got Ezekiel Elliott. Now you've got Amari Cooper and Cole Beasley, and you've got all these guys. Still can't get us there. We're gonna get someone who can. Well, I hope they get someone who can. I don't know if they're bright enough to get someone who can, but it is yeah. indeed the uh, the taking any any excuses away from Dak Prescott move for yeah. sure. I also believe this is taking excuses away from Jason Garrett. That could be a combo I would deal. too. I would think so too. Except again, same thing. The the, the dipshit owner slash general manager. I don't know if yeah. he's ready to make that move either. Because similar to Hugh Jackson, I think I I don't know. I I don't speak for you. I've been sort of waiting for Jason Garrett to get shit canned for a while now. I think that thing is, is past due, and it hasn't happened yet, and I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Hugh Jackson, we were wondering, when the hell is that going to happen? And finally, just they decided to do it uh, yesterday, which is a bit of a strange timing. But again, uh, I, I did not notice this, or I did not realize this, but 
this is something the Browns do with their coach after they lose the second game of the series of a season yeah. against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The last six coaches. This is stupid. This is that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The last six coaches for the Cleveland Browns have been fired after the second game of the of the Pittsburgh uh home and home series for the season. Why is that the automatic measuring stick for when you hire and fire a coach? Hugh Jackson proved that he did enough to be fired a long, long time before this game on yeah. Sunday. This shouldn't have been the, the measure the measuring stick. Yeah, you Hugh Jackson will go down as one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. By any metric you want to pull out. I mean there is there is absolute you know there is absolutely nothing um, that you could say on the positive side for I believe it was, was it three thirty three and one or what it was just whatever it was it was it was terrible it was under a one hundred winning percentage it was unbelievably the bad that, yeah the the fact that it went on for that long it, it, it's it's mind boggling and at this point I mean at this point why why fire him now. I mean, why would you disrupt right. that now? Now, now, from what I understood, there was a huge power struggle kind of going on in the locker room between him and uh, and Todd Haley, and it sounded like both of those were trying to undermine each other all the time. So Todd Haley's trying to pull the power move and get you Jackson. Well, they just said to hell with them both. <laughs> That's the heck with both of you. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, the the part that I was. Uh, amused at because they announced the Hugh Jackson firing and they didn't immediately announce the Todd Haley firing. So for a couple of hours yesterday, I was thinking, Oh my God, Todd Haley won the power struggle that fast and, and got Hugh Jackson out of there. And then a couple of hours later, Oh, Todd Haley's been fired. Too. I was like, Oh damn. They just said the hell with both of them. All right. I, I like that. Just put a, that, that's the one part I like. You don't wait until after the Pittsburgh game. Cause that doesn't mean anything. That's very arbitrary for the ownership to decide that they need to do that at, at that point after the, the Pittsburgh game. But at least I like that part of let's take the OC and the coach who have been bickering and haven't been together that long. And they're already bickering about the offense. Yep. Let's put a blindfold on both of them and take them out to the, to the yard and, and put a bullet in, in the back of both of their heads. Let's just be done with both of them and start over fresh. Now the, the sort of bad thing about that is now they turn it over to Greg Williams, Mr. Bounty gate. But at this point, this, I guess it doesn't really matter. Does it? No, this season's this season's lost. Um, I, I I think it's over anyway. I mean, it was it was never going to be the, the the banner season for Cleveland. I don't know what why this mid the mid season firing you know is usually indicative of all oh, you're not meeting up to the you know the expectations of of what we were expecting. Just keep in mind, through eight games, they they, vote, they lost three less games than they did last year through eight games. The two five and one, uh, one can yeah. argue, is meeting expectations at this point. Yeah, I, I, I told you, I thought the ceiling for this team was four or five wins, and they should be very proud of the fact that they could win four or five more games. And that's you know, any team that can improve by four or five games, even if you started from zero, <laughs> you're you're still improving. You know, they weren't gonna, they weren't gonna. I mean, after their first win. I mean, you had the idiots on TV talking about they're going to the playoffs. You know, they're 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 a contender. I mean, it was just it was ridiculous the the stupidity that you were hearing from people about about Cleveland. A team for as bad as they are got way more press than they deserved, and way more you, you know 
run than any team that's a two five and one team that just came off of a completely shit winless season ever deserved. So we can we, we, we now we can put the Cleveland Browns to bed. We can put the Giants to bed. We can put the Raiders. All these teams we can just kind of put them to bed. It's kind of what we did last week when we do our Halloween show. You know we're kind of putting those bad teams down. You know we're taking them out and back like old Yeller. And uh, we don't have to worry too much about them the rest of the year. The Browns going with a defensive coach, not what you would expect um, as on an interim round. There was nobody left. <laughs> you know, he's he's kind of the only coordinator that got that that got left uh, around. Who's you know pretty much got the experience. So this is an interim thing. They're not going to have him be their head coach next year. The trend no. in the NFL now is if you're going to reload a team. You're going to do it with an offensive, kind of an offensive guru, an offensive mind. They're not going to have the number one draft pick, and they're left with a defensive head coach. We've seen no, that. They... It would be Jeff Fisher all over again with, with Jerry and, Goff. Right, and if you want to get what Jerry Goff did under Jeff Fisher and, and you want to go through that, go right ahead. But I don't think yeah. – well, it's the Cleveland Browns, so maybe they will be that stupid, but I don't think uh. they will. No, because for you know, if you take the two win teams that are out there, the teams that have two wins or less, I, I'd probably go on to say that for the teams out there that have two or less wins, that the Browns probably have the best roster, but they should because they have nothing but number one draft picks, um, you know, top ten picks, top five picks, number one picks all over that team. Uh, and they've had their moments. They, they've had good games. Their defense has kept them around. I, despite Baker Mayfield, who hasn't, who's played very much like a rookie quarterback, who's kind of lost at times, and then he'll have some flashes. It, whatever. They, they, they fired their head coach and their offensive coordinator on the same day. That that's uh, You don't usually get it that bad. No, you don't, but it's, it's the Browns. It's the Brown fever. Yeah. Uh, the next Cleveland coach needs to have a running U-Haul after the second Pittsburgh game, so that's the only thing we really know about uh, the, the Cleveland Browns organization right now. Uh, so I need to get the, uh, the the small violins out for myself. Uh, maybe I'll, that's another sound effect that I'll go find in some violin music. I'm going to start the week eight recap by bitching, or my week eight recap by bitching about the Monday night game, about our lock off, which you wound up winning. Because, I mean, you talk about the Buffalo Bills fighting New England tooth and nail all mm-hmm. night long, playing so tough. Defense out there making plays on Tom Brady, holding the Patriots out of the end zone pretty much the entire game. Actually, the offense never did find the end zone for the Patriots. Uh, just fighting and fighting, and it was they played like their, it was their Super Bowl. The crowd was crazy. The, the effort was there. And every time Derek Anderson took the ball, it was just like a, a fart being let out. I was like, oh, it was awful. <laughs> But they still fought the entire way. And here comes the fourth quarter, and New England, they've taken control of the game, but not the point spread, that huge, huge two-touchdown point spread. Uh, and and Derek Anderson throws the tight end to Jason Kroom to secure the cover that would have put Buffalo within like two or three points or something like that and pretty much would have guaranteed at that point that the Patriots weren't going to cover the spread. Except Jason Kroom let the ball scrape the grass. So upon further review, uh, it's ruled incomplete. It's overturned. And what happens the very next play? Anderson responds, 
by throwing the ball right to Devin McCourty for the pick six, and now New England is covering and running away, and the the Bills have no chance, and especially have no chance when Anderson goes down and 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 Nate Peterman has to come on. You knew at that point it was there was no chance for that. Man, the Bills fought so hard. That team, they try like hell, man. Just and they weren't gonna ever win the game, but they 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 fought the whole game like they had a chance, and that's all I was counting on to stay within 13 and a half is to play like you have a chance. And that's what they did all night. And then Derek Anderson goes and throws a pick six. So go ahead and tell me how how much of an idiot I am. Of course, Derek Anderson throws a pick six to lose the cover, which is what you should expect because it's Derek Anderson. And I'm the one that picked Derek Anderson. So I deserve all that. So go ahead to take, take, take your glory. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to dance I'm not going to dance on the grave here too much for you because yeah, that one was pretty cheap, but most of the wins you had over me the rest of the week were pretty cheap. So we kind of we kind of evened out on the cheap wins because uh, I can look up and down at some of these results that I had in the bag that just somehow got away. Cincinnati Tampa, all of a sudden that that game's completely in the bag and then Fitz Magic comes back in and, and gets complete garbage time uh you have the the Raiders pulled another Raiders third time this year they've had or fourth third fourth or what fifth time they've had a lead going into the fourth quarter and completely blew it um yeah and I'm not going to complain too much about Rams and Packers although the Rams did have that covered at one point in the fourth quarter but you knew that it wasn't enough that the I didn't worry too worried because I didn't think they were going to keep Aaron Rodgers down. Ty Montgomery did that all on his own, but you you had your cheap wins, so we we, we both get our cheap ones. Uh, I tried to warn you about that lock off, but yeah. you know I, I tried. I, I tried. You're my friend. I, I, I tried to warn you. Friends don't let friends pick the Buffalo <laughs> Bills and lock it up. Um, down, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it worked for you. You you did the big shock and awe one with San Francisco Green Bay. You you, you knew if you got another one on me, you'd be up two, uh, but instead we're tied. So, you know, you kind of you had the chance, and 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 you gave it back to me. So, even though I end up dropping a couple of games, at least I get back even on the locks. Um, and you know, those that that point that 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 point that we fight for that one solitary point could. It hasn't ever made the difference, but you never know. There's, there's going to be a year where that one point could make the difference um, in the postseason between winning and losing. So we'll see. I knew the Bills were done. I didn't see the end of the game, um, but I knew the Bills were pretty much done when their first drive was nothing but gadget plays and wildcats. <laughs> yeah. And they still had to punt. Yeah. There was a flea flicker. There were wildcat plays. Uh, they kept splitting Derek Anderson out wide. Like they showed everything to the Patriots on their first series, like to try to go all out. Like we're gonna go all out. We're gonna go down to first time playing on Monday night in, in ten years. We're gonna put everything out on the line, and we're gonna just script the shit out of this, and we're gonna go down there. We're gonna get it. We're, we're gonna take the ball. We're gonna score. And it just it didn't work. They they cut over to Bill Belichick on the sidelines. He's just they're pulling this goofy shit. And he's just making little notes in his notebook. Like, yep, okay, we got these guys. It's probably what yeah, he was actually first, writing. He was probably writing in his notebook. We win. We got these guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> we got these guys. That's what he wrote in the book. They should have done a sideline zoom in on his little uh, steno pad or whatever it was he was writing on. 
because that was some that was some college shit that the Bills were trying to pull out there. It's like, but that's what you got to do when you got a quarterback who's been on your roster for ten days, and you're playing a team that's just completely owned you, and a quarterback that's completely owned you over the last twenty years. So yeah, I, I, the, the, the Bills looked like a team that was out of their league, didn't deserve to be on the same field, and played every bit of it. You're the high Except school. Except defensively. defensively, they gave it. They, they they busted their asses. You feel bad for oh, those yeah. guys. I, I felt bad because the Bills can play some defense. Their defense got them to the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. That offense is yep. atrocious. Oh my god. Yeah, they're they're the high school that gets their ass kicked by the the state champs every year, and this is their prime time shot. Yep. And they had every trick in the book. I knew it was over, or I felt it was over when they pulled that uh, wildcat shit and direct snap to McCoy the first time and it worked pretty well and the crowd's going crazy and the second time to the opposite field and it worked okay and, and you know not nearly as well as and then yeah. the third time they do it and it gets stuffed I'm like um so you guys haven't you don't have any anything else you don't have anything off of this this wildcat except just run McCoy up the middle you don't have, you got the ghost action going behind them with the jet sweep guy you don't have any plays where you actually pitch it to the jet sweep guy I think they did eventually try that later in the game to minimal success. But, like, how many times do you think you're going to run that same exact trick play? And even the Patriots defense, which, as you know, I think is trash. But even they were like, okay, that's enough of this shit, and, and started shutting that down. And at that point, it's up to Derek Anderson to win the game, and that's when it started falling apart because he is bad. And I know he's bad, but I was hoping that he would be a little – better than he was uh, on this night, uh, and unfortunately he wasn't. Uh, I still don't respect the Patriots overall, and I still think they're going to win that division going away. So really nothing changed in, in that respect, uh, but it was just the, the lock-off the lock off between you and me where you took the clearly better team with a clear handicap of 13.5 points on the road, which I thought was ridiculous, and as it turned out, it wasn't so ridiculous. Yeah, but it was close. I mean, it, 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 it came down it came down to a, a you know, the soul crushing interception for a touchdown but you know part of my pick was was that was that's their quarterback yeah so you got so that's what I was I was also factoring I expected something more blowout territory 25 to 6 you look at it on paper and go oh yeah they blew them out but no I, I was I was thinking you know like 41 to 10 yeah, I, I you know, and then a couple of those field goals converted to touchdowns. It, it becomes that way, right? But the defense was stout, and they weren't yeah. letting them get into the end zone. So good. I on honestly them. thought I didn't have the the time to text you because I had all the pregame stuff on. You would have thought from watching all the pregame, like the Monday night countdown for the game, that the fix was in, and it was like Buffalo was going to win. It was just nothing. Oh, they were hyping but, it up like that. Oh my god. They rolled out Berman. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I saw that Dave Ramsey was inducting uh, Thurman Thomas into the Bills Hall of Fame or something. Oh, no, they, they were retiring his number. That's what it was. They were yeah. retiring Thurman Thomas's number at halftime. So they're having uh, Berman there to introduce him because, of course, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. So they went to that whole shtick. I don't know if Thurman remembers anything that happened uh, on that night. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, I, I saw that he was out there. But the whole I, I, the whole pregame, the whole two hour, two and a half hour, whatever the hell it is, long pregame Monday night countdown show they have. I I got to say it was probably eighty five percent Bills coverage, 
Now, I guess hmm. you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of it saved up. I guess they had a lot of saved up material, considering the Bills haven't been on Monday Night in ten years. Uh, <sighs> they also had a lot of stuff to sell to make people think that it was going to be a competitive game. But I, I did feel I felt the sell job in full effect, and I was like, "Is the fix in here?" <laughs> and I woke up this morning and checked the final score, and was like, "Nope, the fix wasn't in. The, the clearly nope. the better team won." That's my team. My quarterback. As uh, me thinking Derek Anderson, that was my quarterback, and, and he did what my quarterback should have done. So that's that's on me. And that team still has two wins. They, that team still went to Minnesota and won a football game. Didn't stuck they up they ass. That, that's yeah. that's the NFL for you. you. You just have some results you cannot explain at all. No matter how much of a grip you think you have on the league, there's still sometimes where you're just like, what, how, what? How'd that happen? What? I, I still don't understand that one. Well, I thought you were going to be even more upset than you are about that Rams uh, outcome, uh, considering exactly what happened at the end of the game, that very last play, which was just they all of Vegas melted down uh, when Aaron uh, or Todd Gurley is running towards the end zone to ice away the uh, the spread and, and put everything yeah. to bed and just stops on purpose and, and takes basically takes a knee so that they can run out the clock and win the game uh, and, and seal up the cover for the Packers uh, instead of the Rams. But yeah, that was, that was a killer, man. I just, he, he breaks through on that third down run and there's nobody out there and he's, there's nothing but end zone. I'm like, no. And then he just comes to a stop and I'm like, Oh, my man, smart play. Good, good heady play. But that's why you can't complain too much because that's the that's what you do when you win games. It was the smart play. It, yeah, I mean, you know, you, they, nobody was going to stop him. They they didn't totally Holmgren it, but yeah, he 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 broke free. He was going <laughs> to run into the end zone. They weren't letting him score, no. but no, they, they, it was a good play call. He just pitched it to the outside, and nobody was there. So, but yeah, they, they that gets, trying. You know, yeah, that gets it to eight. Um, if he scores, they, they still would have had to have kicked the extra point. I can understand the move because you get up by eight. Well, what happens if your guy misses the extra point? Then you're up yeah. one possession, so you might as well just yeah. go for three. So, yeah. So at that point, I'm like, it, that was okay. I can, I can live with that result. Um, the Rams had that game covered earlier and Aaron Rodgers kept coming back. So the, the Packers earned it. They tried really, really hard against a good team and, and, and they showed up, but you know, something, you know, that's horseshoes and hand grenades, man. Close ain't good enough here. No, it's not, but it was a fascinating game to watch. Uh, the, the Packers did such a great job early on Gurley. Uh, they actually didn't let him get much room. Uh, the Rams, though, were committed to the run. <clears throat> so uh, it wasn't where Jared Goff had all this uh, uh, offensive firepower that he was just waiting to unleash. They really were trying to stick with Gurley and establish that. And the Packers weren't, weren't letting him. So give credit to uh, the Green Bay front seven for uh, doing a really good job of bottling him up early. Uh but the Rams eventually, you know, that offense is so hard to, to keep it down. Uh, even in a, what looked like an off day for the Rams offense, uh, they still 
put it together and, and still uh, put some points on the board. And, and the defense is, is uh, what allowed the comeback course uh, to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but but the Rams that that I guess that's their weakness is their uh, their D has uh, has an issue containing the run because yeah. they're rushing upfield so much that people that runners just run right past them all the time and sometimes they have a, an issue containing the pass because uh, if the pressure doesn't get there it's almost like the secondary is is caught off guard or caught flat footed when they have to defend the pass because they expect Aaron Donald to go sit on the quarterback every time and when there's a a pass is actually out in the air. They're like, Oh, we have to defend this. Oh, look. Uh, so that, that's something certainly this, uh, that the Rams still have to work on defensively. And I'm sure they know that uh, they need to work on better coverage when, uh, when the pass rush doesn't get home. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was uh, wound up turning into a back and forth game. Uh, Rogers continues to just make amazing throws. Uh, the knee injury thing is, is clearly a thing of the past, whatever that was. He, I, I don't, I won't, I don't want to say he's a hundred percent healed from it, but uh I don't notice the limp anymore. I don't notice him really favoring it or, or being careful about it. He took off running when he had to. Uh, and the Packers played a, a, a really tough game uh, in, a, in a really tough environment. Uh, they had a lot of their own fans there, so that was a sort of a weird atmosphere too because it felt like it was almost half Packer fans, half Rams fans. Uh, but, yeah, it was a massively entertaining game to watch uh, and that last play, ooh, that that's that's a killer for anybody else. That was, that was uh, betting the Rams. Yeah, but we 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 we'll have those. I didn't actually consider that one as chief because that was it. Didn't feel like it was an undeserved cover. That's when you really feel like something got taken away from you. It's like, man, the other team just like I could see how you would feel that way about the New England Buffalo game because Buffalo earned it. Their defense earned it. The defense, yes. <laughs> Not they, gave, they gave Tom Brady and the Patriots offense all they could handle, and they 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 were just they were defending that goal line to the last guy, and then finally the fourth quarter came around, and it, it just couldn't keep doing it. It, 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 it. Ultimately, it was just too much. But yeah, I, I feel for the uh, I feel for the Packers. But yeah, you highlighted what I really took away from that game, which is that that boy that Achilles heel for the Rams is that run D. They're gonna run into it. Yeah. They're gonna run into some teams that can run when you get to the playoffs, and you get a team that, that can really pound it on the ground. They're vulnerable. Well, think about the Falcons in the playoff game last year, where uh, Matty Ice finds his success and they take the lead, and then the Rams can't defend and and make a comeback because Atlanta can run the ball out after they get the lead because the Rams can't defend the run. So it's really the perfect combination. Uh, and I think that's going to be uh, a similar fate awaits them in the playoffs, uh, regardless of who they face. It's going to be more than likely a team that can pass at least a little and run at least a little uh, because it's a playoff team. And whatever team that is, uh, if they get a lead on the Rams, it's going to be over because they can't seem to really stop anybody on the ground. Yeah, I know. I do. I, I fear you know the Rams. You don't want to say it, but the Rams could could end up being one of these one and done type teams. Even they're going to have a bye most likely. But the, you look at the teams right now, all the teams that are slotted behind them in 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 the playoff uh, order, minus uh, like Seattle. Seattle doesn't really do much on the ground. Um, they have a running quarterback, but they don't really they don't scare anybody. 
Um, and I think they're sort of that outlier team right now that's in the mix because there are better teams behind them. Even though if the season ended right now, uh, Seattle'd be in. Um, but you know the, the Saints would the Saints would just handle them no problem. Oh yeah, you know yeah, Adrian Peterson might not live that long, but <laughs> we know the Bears can run, Carolina can run, Minnesota can run, Green Bay ran all over them, and they're one of the worst rushing teams in the league. But all those holes that Aaron Jones had, they had no choice but to run all over them. They were just wide open holes. The the Seahawks are actually uh, putting it together on the ground, too. I don't know how long Chris Carson is going to last either, but uh, he's actually been balling out there right now. But the Seahawks, believe it or not, are fifth in the league in in rushing yards per game. So. Uh, and, and maybe even more shocking is that, is that they're fourth in, in passing defense in yards per game. That Legion of Room is revamped and reloaded, and they got some oh. young guys that are playing their asses off right now. Yeah. Hey, well, it, 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 they're four and three. They're, they're all right. Yeah, all right. They're not, they're, they're not <laughs> sniffing. They're not even going to sniff a division title, so they can give that up. No. That's over. I think there are a lot better people who thought they would be at this stage. Uh, I, of course, was very impressed by the New Orleans Saints uh, Sunday yeah. night going into Minnesota. We both had that one. Uh, but, of course, that's my Super Bowl team. So that was a narrative uh, game for me because I got the whole uh, get that taste of last year's uh, playoff loss out of their mouth and sort of springboard from here and go on to make a run and, and go all the way to the Super Bowl and win the title. And, you know, that's one game, but so far, so good. They really did uh, go in there to Minnesota. uh, And and this is what they really impressed me about doing. They continue to sort of ball control and, like, eschewing the balls out deep game of Drew Brees. It's almost like they're like, you know, we can do that whenever. But right now, we're going to go in and we're going to handle the ball and we're going to control the clock. And it's brilliant coaching by Sean Payton because – on a, on a few levels, uh, think about the last two games at Baltimore, now at Minnesota. He keeps the ball away from potentially dangerous offenses and whatever you think of Joe Flacco and, and Kirk Cousins. They do have offenses that are in the top half of the league. Uh, so, But he keeps the ball away from them for a couple of weeks in a row uh, while tamping down the road crowd a couple of weeks in a row. And we know how historically the Saints have a problem playing on the road. Uh, but they keep the crowd out of it by by ball controlling like that. And he saved some bullets in Drew Brees' arm because Drew Brees is not a young man. He's 40 years old. Uh, so on a, on several levels, uh, it really is some great coaching being done right now by Sean Payton. The longest throw of the, of the game for the Saints was by Taysom Hill, was uh, 40 yards in the air. Not Drew Brees. Uh, so you best believe, though Breeze will air it out again when necessary. But right now, he doesn't have to. And they're playing brilliant football right now, uh, controlling the clock, controlling the ball, and, and really grinding wins out. And, and they'll go back to bombing away in the air when they have to. Yeah, but no, their, their identity right now with Camara and uh, – oh, shit. Ingram. And, and Mark Ingram. <laughs> Last uh, week, I forgot Camara. So it was my week to forget the other guy. No, but clearly their game plan is to just ground and pound, especially on the road. You don't, you know, they did it against Baltimore, efficient ball control. I mean, they, they, they look like they're just sort of preparing themselves for the postseason right now. 
That's all they're doing. Get 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 yeah. so much variation. What I'm hoping for. On, get so much variation on tape that by the time you get to the playoffs, nobody's going to know what to do. There's so many ways they can come at you now, and they can beat you. And yeah, the Drew Brees will have his moments, but that running game is going to definitely have have their moments too. Now it's sort of the Kirk Cousins game for you, where you're waiting for him to make the mistakes, yeah. and and he made the mistake. And PJ Williams, you talk about needing some redemption, not just after last year, but in this game as well. He was getting abused early on by Cousins. He was targeting him and picking on him, and it was having success. And Williams finally had enough and, and made the big play and got the interception uh, and then took it to the house. And that was, that was really the game right there. And, and that's what you've been talking about this whole time with Cousins, that you just don't trust him. No matter how well he plays, you know yeah. that he's going to have those big games where he just makes a big mistake and, and throws it to the other team. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, he'll, he will completely fill up the stat sheet. Everything's going to look great. Oh, here it is. 31 for 41 for 359. Two touchdowns. Oh, and that one, that one pick. The one pick mm-hmm. probably decided the game. From 20 to 13 to 27 13, and that really did feel like ball game. Yeah, you went from down a touchdown to down two touchdowns uh, as soon as that happened. So statistically, you, you look at the raw numbers, and like, oh, wow, Kirk Cousins, he really, you know, he filled up the stat sheet. He had a great game. Everything looked good. You know, quarterback rating, yards per attempt. He had two touchdowns and a pick. Um, you know, Drew Brees only threw for 120 yards. Well, the Vikings, well, the Vikings won this by three touchdowns right now. No, the Saints were up 13 before a garbage time TD. So, no, New Orleans actually commanded the whole game, really. Yeah, no, they 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 completely owned them, uh, and we and we both had that. We did. I'm excited for New Orleans. I think uh, I don't know how many people are thinking about them when you talk about the 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 teams that are getting all the attention at the top of the league, the Chiefs, the Rams, the, even the Patriots are probably considered better than uh, the Saints right now. Uh, but don't sleep on. It would be one hell of a game. Yeah, so we got uh, another uh, – how long do we have left here? Oh, okay, 17 minutes. I uh, thought we had a little more time than that, but we've we've gotten through uh, 30, uh, 40, 43 minutes uh, of recap. And I don't know what else stood out to you in uh, in week eight. Uh, Well, we're going to pat yourself on the back for your one Super Bowl pick. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Time to it's time to raise the red alert for our other one. Yeah, the Jaguars are in trouble. They're uh, they're not looking so <laughs> yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I can't make any heads or tails of that. They clearly we clearly have identified and know one hundred percent what their problem is. We know they have a quarterback problem. Although, again, part on paper, he had an okay day. Nothing, nothing he did jumps off the page as you know as for st- his stat line that goes, oh wow, I, I can see why they lost this game. Uh, what what really jumps up is the fact that Blake Bortles was their leading rusher. That's not good. And outside of Blake Bortles, they got twenty seven yards of rushing. Yeah, that, that's really uh, that's a nine real problem right there. Nine of those was a, a jet sweep to the wideout. <laughs> so, 
18 yards of rushing between Carlos Hyde, who they just traded for, and T.J. Yeldon, two, two for seven. I think the Leonard Fournette injury is starting to loom large. I don't think we've talked it up enough. I don't, we really haven't talked about it much at all because they've sort of made do. But, man, oh, man, they need him back. <laughs> they need him back. They need effective. Um, and, really, Carlos Hyde has the potential to be a, a, a one-two punch with him when he does come back and if he is effective. But right now, without him, it was Hyde and, and Yeldon against the, the Philadelphia Eagles D-line, and that, unfortunately for Jacksonville, was a mismatch. And that really hampers your offense, obviously, when you have that side of the ball or that facet of your offense is just not there. And now you're sort of relying on Blake Bortles, and, and you fall behind because of the defense, which to me is the real issue with Jacksonville. That defense is not terrible, but – not good. Uh, like really averaged this year, and I thought they were going to be special, and they're not. They're just not. Uh, there are some plays that the Eagles made over the Jaguars, through the Jaguars, around the Jaguars that I don't think the Jaguars allow a lot of those plays last year, but I think there's an edge off, and unfortunately, uh, it may just be attitude situation. It may be that they came in thinking they were hot shit and could not be touched this year. And here it is halfway through the season, and they've been touched. They've been touched a lot. Like, they've been molested. And they need to shore that up in a hurry, like immediately. Uh, whatever they need to do mentally to get back uh, to where they were shutting people down, because that's the hugest part of that team. That's why we picked them to make the Super Bowl. Not the offense, not trusting in Blake Bortles or Leonard Fournette, but believing that that defense was something really special. And so far this year, they're not playing special at all. No. Uh, Bye couldn't come for them at a better time. Yeah, I hope they use Bye very uh, uh, importantly and and very efficiently to sort of recharge and come back uh, fired up and ready to have a much better second half. Yeah, and they have and they have a lot of winnable games. Uh, I'm I'm looking at their remaining schedule, and I one two. They got to win at least. They got to win six. You got to figure they got to win six out of eight. They got to get to nine. I think to have any chance that division is, is I, I think that division is still winnable, but it's going to take some work now that Houston seems to have a, you know, a stranglehold on that thing. Yeah. They come out with a, a, a fumble on Wentz. And the next uh, series, they let Philly go down the field, but then they they pick him off in the end zone uh, by Jalen Ramsey on a very ill-advised throw. So it's looking good early, but Philly just keeps coming, and Jacksonville allows them to. Uh, they even had a lead briefly uh, with field goals, but field goals, of course, isn't going to beat the Eagles. And, and Carson Wentz had a, a pretty good game, but there were a lot of uh, – uh, throws that, that one that touchdown to Dallas Goddard across his body. That's not something the Jaguars allow last year. They come in and knock that down or pick it off or something. But uh, that that wasn't uh, that was ill advised as far as I'm concerned as well. But they completed it and Goddard scored from 32 and, and they took the lead on that play right before the half. Uh, so that's just one example of plays that 
the Jags, to me, they don't allow that to happen last year, but this year is a different story, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I was I was feeling I thought that they'd really uh, you know sort of sort of springboard off of that momentum they had, being oh so close to going to the Super Bowl, you know, and, the, and getting another year of experience. They haven't played the toughest schedule. I mean, they're not losing to to you know great teams. They're they're losing to just some good teams, but they they should be more in these games than they are. And. Uh, to rattle off all these losses in a row like they've had it, that thing changed quick. All right, we'll uh, get to a few more of these week eight uh, occurrences and uh, get to our pick for the Thursday night game. Uh, after I let you guys know about listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail, that is where we are airing live right now to listen to our podcast. You subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes or any number of other podcasting apps, or you come back to our live show page and search through our archive. Uh, we're coming up close on the, the big 300. Uh, don't know exactly when it is, but we're about to have our 300th show, if you can believe that. Uh, all our picks, of course, are up on our blog. The blog site is uh, inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. And you can email the show with any questions or comments. Send that to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. So week eight, the rest of uh, week eight, we talked a little bit about Fitzmagic coming back for the cover for Tampa Bay. Did you know or realize that the Buccaneers, after the, the Fitzmagic of early in the season, based on that, even with Jameis Winston playing uh, really, really bad football and all four of those interceptions look like they were just like, they're almost Peterman-like where it looks like he was just throwing right to the guy. Uh, even with Winston playing the last few weeks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still number one in the league in passing yards per game based wow. off of the incredible start that Fitzmagic had. And now Fitzmagic is apparently going to be back. He's going to start on Sunday after replacing Winston uh, in this game against Cincinnati this past Sunday. Uh, I don't count on a, on a repeat necessarily of the Fitz magic, but it still looks like it's got a better chance of success than what Jameis Winston was doing. And of course, this is just Dirk Cutter uh, just trying to desperately save his own job. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean that, that offense, especially that offense, it's just, they're just loaded. And to get the results that they've been, or lack of results that they've been getting, and I think Tampa's a team that we've sort of, yeah, I think we've sort of kind of, people were maybe a little hot on last year. I know I was, I really thought they were going to have a good season last year. I soured so much on Winston last year that I didn't expect that much out of them this year. But these games, uh, these games that they've been losing, I mean, they they've still been putting up points uh, and, and scoring points. And, and Winston was having big passing days in a few of those, uh, even in the, the loss to Atlanta, he had a huge passing day, which everybody has a huge passing day against them. And mm-hmm. then you pile that on top of the two big, uh, the two big days that Fitzpatrick had. So yeah, I could see, but we're only at week eight. If they're still there at the end of the year, I, I'll fall out of my chair. They won't, <laughs> they won't be there at the end of the year. Uh, not sure what you can do to stop the Kansas City Chiefs offense. They seem to do whatever they want, put up another 30. But 
Denver scores just enough to backdoor cover again. Well, and we you know, were on all over that one. We did, and well, that really snuck in too. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, we we'll take it. That's not a that's not a pro Denver pick for us. That's a anti Kansas City defense pick. You just you just know the Chiefs are going to score a ton, but they're going to give up a ton. And it, boy, that that really showed up. And Denver and Denver, I believe, covered games against them this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Denver uh, covers twice against Chiefs, probably the best team in the AFC. Uh, that's you know, well, New England's up there, and you know, we'll, it remains to be seen. But right now, they look they look dominant. On offense, they they do. Uh, put that forty up on New England, and even though New England would have the tiebreaker over them, if New England's got to go to Kansas City. Ooh, I don't know if that's the same result. No, I don't either. Uh, another offense that's uh, been very impressive the last few weeks: the Carolina Panthers yeah. are just rolling. Yeah, I'm yeah, not quite sure were. what to make of that. 21 straight points to beat the Eagles, and now they dominate the Baltimore Ravens, who came in with the number one defense in football, and Cam Newton and the Panthers just opened it up on them. I'm looking at this more of feeling kind of bad for the Ravens because the, the Ravens went from being uh, in control, looking like they had this thing sewn up because their defense was playing so good and Joe Flacco was getting on with his new receivers and that was all starting to gel. And then bang, bang, they they, they run through this, uh, you know, sort of like this buzzsaw in the uh, NFC South there with the Saints and the Panthers. And all of a sudden, Ravens are sitting there in third place. Well... And- but that wasn't Raven, the Ravens doing what the Ravens do. That was just two really good teams or hot teams. I think it's more of a hot thing for Carolina and a really good team issue for the Saints. But I don't think Carolina's as good as what they've played. But they've played really well the last. So you can't take it away from them. They're still doing it. Um, That's the thing about the Panthers. It's always so impossible to predict for, for me because – they're capable of that when they play a 16 game schedule like this, that's when Cam Newton wins the MVP and the Panthers go to the Super Bowl. So it yeah. can be done. It's just good luck predicting when they're going to play like that. Yeah, which you just can't do. You, you just, you can't have any idea when you're going to get those types of performances, but Cam Newton, he doesn't have to be great. Because he's such a you know, he's such a weapon running the ball, and that that whole team can run the ball. McCaffrey has turned out to be a really good runner. Uh, Cam Newton has added on about three three hundred and nine. I'm looking at it, three hundred and nine yards rushing for the season for Cam Newton, and what thirteen touchdowns, four picks. He, so he's being efficient. He's never been the highest completion percentage guy, but sixty six is that's good for him. Yeah, that's really good for him. So if they can keep, you know, keep that thing kind of moving along. Uh, they're giving up more points than what I've been, you know, accustomed to see for them. So the defense isn't what it was when they were sort of that defensive juggernaut, and then they also had Cam Newton um, playing at his peak. That's why I just don't think this has legs. I'm not so sure how long this is going to like continue on, but for for the last, uh, 
you know, a couple of weeks, they've looked really good. I mean, let's not forget, they struggled to beat, struggled mightily to beat the Giants. Yes, Lost they did. the Redskins, the team you hate and continue to hate. <laughs> um, and then eked out a win against Philly uh, in big comeback fashion, and then they blow up Baltimore. So I, I don't know if I'm, like, completely 100% sold on them. I think we've got a little recency, a uh, little recency bias going on here for them over these last two games. Because up until that point, I don't think we were looking at the Panthers as any hot shit. Yeah, I don't know if I'm sold either. Uh, I don't want to get into Giants Redskins very much, but all I'll say is this: I do respect the hell out of the Redskins front seven defensively. Man, they are tough. Saquon Barkley is is running as hard as he can and can't just he can't get anywhere all game against them. They're just shutting him down. There's no room. There's no holes. There's no push from the offensive line. That might might just be the Giants' offensive line sucks. But I think the Redskins uh, present a, a formidable front for anybody that has to go against them. And it's, it's hard to beat a team when you can't run at all against them. And that's what the Redskins are presenting right now. So I'll, I'll give them that much respect. Okay. Wow. That, just, that hurt, didn't it? You had to say something nice it about it. Yes. <laughs> Hurt very much, uh, and still not an elite quarterback. But I did just want to give some more hurting props a little bit to Russell Wilson. This is the type of Russell Wilson game that makes you go, maybe he is kind of elite. Eh, maybe he's he's not elite, but but it was it was one of those games that that really uh, showed the best of Russell Wilson, really. Yeah, no, this is kind of what you're going to expect out of him. You know, he. he doesn't have to put it up a lot, but when he does, it, it, it's deep. It's, it's the Deshaun Watson thing. He breaks the containment and throws it deep. I mean, he completed 14 balls for 248 yards. Yeah. No, that's it right there. That's, uh, that's P.C. Yeah. Russell Wilson is, is the passing yards per game is down in the 20s, and the uh, yards per attempt is up in, in over eight points something. That's, yeah. that's when Russell Wilson's at his best. Although early contender, early play of the year contender has to go to uh, Saints punter Michael Dixon for running the ball out of his own end zone on that botched uh, punt and getting the first down. Did you see that play? Yes, and apparently he did that on his own. Like, they told him to run out of the back of the end zone, and he he pulled the time on Gurbrey and said, I'm going to be the hero, (laughs) except he actually succeeded. Except he was the hero. (laughs) Yes. And therefore, he wasn't traded at the deadline. I ain't, I ain't running this shit out the back. I'm not Dan Orlovsky. I'm Michael Dixon. <laughs> and that's how you get traded like Ty Montgomery, and he gets to keep his uh, job. All right. All well, right. Time me. for the yeah, time for the battle of the uh, the battle of the bay that nobody wants to see or hear about. Oakland and San Francisco combined two and twenty three. Oakland's one and six, San Fran's one and seven, and it gets even worse from there because uh, C.J. Beathard it may not make it to this game, so San Fran might have to start someone a quarterback named Nick Mullins. Oh. And yet Oakland is is Oakland. So with that, San Fran's still a three point favorite at home against Oakland. Jason, who you got? Uh, yeah, uh, I'll go total contingency here. If that's Beathard, I will take the night. <laughs> is that Cedric Mullins? <laughs> Not white. Oh, okay. Well, Nick it, Mullins. Oh, okay. Well, if it's Cedric, that's a difference. No, if it's uh, – <laughs> I'll take the Raiders if it's Nick Mullins. 
There you go. Um, I hate murder so much that I'm taking San Fran. I don't care who's starting it. Nick Mullins, Cedric Mullins, Nick Nick from the uh, Backstreet Boys. I don't care who's starting for quarterback for San Fran. I'm taking San Fran and I'm giving the three because Murga is a train wreck. Yeah, I mean, once again, they blow a four. They were up. Tw- they were up a touchdown going into the fourth quarter. Gave up twenty-one in the fourth quarter. <sighs> yeah, that's uh, that team. And there's there's like no hope, right? There's nothing better coming right now. There's no young stud from the uh, practice squad, or there's there's nothing there. They're they're an old team. They're just going to get older as the season goes yeah. on. And one of the younger guys, uh, they already traded in Amari Goober. So uh, there's there's like no hope there, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess we're going to find out about this whole John Gruden thing, you know, we're going to have to go a couple of years down the road. If he's still there and who knows, we, we could look back and and say he was, he was a genius or we could look back and be like, wow, you, you tore up a team that was a you know quarterback broken leg away from possibly going to the Super Bowl, And you blew that thing up, but like, you pointed it out. That's an old team. Um, yeah. Gruden might have come in there and just not liked what he saw and said, I am just going to blow this shit up. Uh, I'm voting on this side of not genius, but hey, yeah, it's, no, it's early totally in the like, process. At this point, yeah, this isn't Theo Epstein. We, we don't, you know. <laughs> this, this, I'm not sitting here giving you the blind trust uh, like I did when Epstein was like, you know, when we were sitting through some, when I was sitting through some really bad Cubs seasons. Right when he took over, and I was like, nope, I trust him. I, I see the vision. I see the plan. I don't see it yet with Gruden. I just know he's accumulating number one picks. I know he's doing that. So is but... Astros ownership? No. No. <laughs> I hate to use the baseball analogies and everything, you know, because what's the, I don't know if we have like football sort of equivalence to that where you can actually tear down and see the rebuild and, and it turns into something great. Uh, Seattle did it. We actually watched Seattle uh, when Pete Carroll came in there sort of, you know, every year they got a little better and you started to see that defense was taking shape and Russell Wilson um, was we were not elite, but we'll call him dynamic. And they had Marshawn Lynn and every year that kind of got better and, you know, but they started off pretty lousy. And then every, you know, they won that playoff. They won the Beast Mode game, and then they were a little better. And all of a sudden, they're in Super Bowls. I don't see the Raiders were good, but two years ago, they were. Uh, the the Carroll the Carroll comp is is good. I like that. There's a culture change that came with him as well. He brought in that rah rah USC stuff. Uh, so I don't think that's there either with Gruden. I don't think he's bringing in a, a like a, a big culture change to Raider Nation or anything like that. So, uh, but but other than that, that that I, I like that. I was trying to think of like because football doesn't lend itself to baseball uh, as far as like ter- organizational teardowns and acquire draft picks. Right. That really doesn't happen in the NFL. So this is a, a new thing that he's trying to do. It feels like he was watching Theo Epstein and watching the Astros and got inspired while he was sitting there on his couch uh, during during the summers, uh, the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, it really does feel like something like that. Is it going to work? I, I seriously doubt it. But uh, again, it's early in the process. Yeah, because what you end up with in the NFL is when you have these organizational teardowns, they, teams stay bad for a long time. 
it is really hard to just draft guys to take your team to the next level within a, a, the next year or two. You have to have really good drafts over a long period of time because you have to build infrastructure on your team and you have to have line, linemen that have played together for five, six, seven years so yeah. that they can trust each other and know where they're supposed to be because you're not going to have any success if you don't have a line that doesn't know what each other is doing and where they're going. You have to have a defense that have pieces that have been there for years and years and years. So it's not going to be where you draft a bunch of rookies and two years later they're contending for for a championship. It's got to be over a long, long period of time that you get really good drafts going. Uh, and, and any team is going to struggle putting together a, a, a team from scratch using just draft picks because it's such a drafting is, is really is a hit or miss prospect. Yeah, um, no, and the, but, two, I think the the two best examples of that, and we can only really think of, um, of, of you know, sort of championship or, or dynasty teams that were sort of put together after, you know, from being awful and then having the so sort of march and build would be the, the nine, the, the mid nineties Cowboys really did right. that. And uh, your 85 Bears. Right. And what happened in those situations? After the other. I mean, the, the, the years leading up to that run yeah. that they had. Um, and, you know, again, they only won the one Super Bowl, but they were a re- the second half of the 80s. They were a really good team. I mean, they, they were still making it deep playoff runs every year. Um, and the Cowboys were dominant for, for most of the, the mid to late nineties. And, and they did that, you know, just little by little by little, you know, and they, it was, was watching uh, a couple of weeks ago and somebody was doing a, an interview and they were talking about uh, Jerry Jones and not Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson, you know, with the whole Herschel Walker trade and, and how much crap he took. And this all came up because of what John yeah. was doing. How much you remember crap that he took for that trade. And then you looked at the haul that he got for that trade and what they were able to turn that into mm-hmm. became a dynasty. Now, I don't know if Gruden's going to be able to pull that off. If he does, then we will look back. If he pulled a Jimmy Johnson here and moving back and, right. over, and it turns into high impact draft picks and three years from now, the, the, they're knocking on the door of the Super Bowl, but you know history will look kindly on John Gruden. Right now, it's just it's bad. It's bad. It's murder. Three Hall of Famers on offense got drafted from from that. Yeah. Is Gruden going to draft three Hall of Famers on offense? Is he going to draft Hall of Fame quarterback, wide receiver, and running back from that? Remains to be seen. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm going to go with the no side on that, but uh, it, it is early. I... There were 1-15 there were Cowboy teams in 90 or 91. I mean, that, that Troy Aikman's first season was a 1-15. You know, he was, Manning, he was, he was, he was very similar to that. Let's, also, let's not also forget about what, you know, the Tony Tony Dungy buildup in in Indy mm-hmm. that he then, um, in uh, Tampa, that he then handed over to Gruden <laughs> to get his only title. Shh, we're not supposed I to mention know, that. I know. You know, I've actually over the last few weeks with the Raiders being trash, um, I've started to hear people on TV about within the last two weeks, I'd say, start tearing down Gruden a little bit with the Dungy insult. I was first, so you guys, you, you heard it here first. Yeah, 
I was the guy on the message board first. <laughs> In much less detail, you heard it here first. Because um, I was trashing two months ago about this. That's right. Yeah, Aikman was one in fifteen, and Peyton was three and thirteen his first year, I believe. Oh man, we we remember what they were saying about Aikman and Peyton uh, after those. Remember, Peyton couldn't win a big game. Goff, right? (laughs) Oh, we didn't have a show back then, but oh my god, oh yeah, don't uh... man, we have to eat some shit every day for how much crap we gave on to Jared Goff. Don't go back and listen to our opinions about Jared Goff after his first year. They played that game against the Saints, and I still remember the play where he missed, like, from eight yards away, missed a guy in the open in the end zone with nobody around him. Like, this guy had half the end zone, and Jared Goff missed him. And I I still can see the play in my mind. You know, like, it, 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 yeah. Like, it's just a rollout, and he just keeps rolling and just keeps rolling, and finally just stops. And there's this dude just standing there, like, waving the arms, like, I'm open. And he just completely whiffs on the guy. He just, yeah! Nowhere near him, like, total yips. And I just remember coming on the show and trashing him. I gave him worst rookie of the year, and, and now he, he's leading an undefeated team halfway through a season. So that's the thing we can take away from that is that we don't have rooting biases. We don't root for or against really anybody. We were just calling it like we saw it. And oh, yeah. a lot of us saw the same thing, which is this guy's shit. And yeah. so we, that's how we called it. But again, to, to your point, people said that about Aikman. People said that about Peyton. They said that they were shit too. And look at them now. So yeah, it's, it's early. I guess that's the one thing you can say about whatever this is that that Murga is doing is it's still early. I just I like that Murga has caught on on at least on our show. On our show, anyway. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to catch anywhere else, but as as really is what it's what I just it need that plays out like. Hat. I just need to get that hat. <laughs> make Raiders great like again. Black hat with the silver letters that say "Make Make Raiders Great Again." <laughs> If we were uh, computer whizzes, we wearing that. Yeah, I know. I, I'd get that thing made up right away. Oh yeah, that that'd be the you new know. logo. I should I should go online. It probably probably does like a custom hat with Trump fonts. Oh, you can have that made, sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a black hat with white lettering, and I mean, or with a silver lettering. I just need the font. That's all I need. So if you get something, if you get a package around Christmas time. And I'm able to get it. I'll send you one so you can wear it. <laughs> Would it be made in America with all those uh, American uh, garbage that Trump spews? Are, are those hats even made here? Or are they made in Taiwan like everything else? Oh, no. Yeah, no, they're totally made in the Philippines or Indonesia or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but it's but make America great again. Yeah, okay, buddy. So, yeah, uh, anyway. Great again by making them absolute garbage. <laughs> There's a plan in place, really. Just, just, just trust them. Just trust. There's a plan there. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of a plan that might be coming together, I, Chicago fans pumped up. We're back in first place. It, it, you know. Uh, you we, know. We brag just, about this. Just the fact that we <laughs> took the Bears as like nine point home favorites and they covered tells you something. 
Well, it tells you they were playing the Jets, for one thing. Oh, yeah. Well, no, but I mean, in general, if this was last year or two years ago, it wouldn't matter who oh, they were you... playing. Never in a million years taken the Bears as a nine-point favorite, and they never would have been a nine-point favorite. Yeah, you can't imagine giving seven and a half with, with Chicago, uh, but yeah, things are looking in a different direction. And also, it's the way they're playing at home versus on the road. It's, for some reason, they're a different team right now. Maybe that's just the young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, and that's just uh, what he does right now is, is play much better at home, but you, you have a lot more confidence with them at home. Uh, and by the way, they uh, decided to sit Khalil Mag. That, that was a game-time decision. We made our pick so early that I didn't even know that they were con- uh, contemplating not playing him. But they basically said, you know what, this Sam Darnold kid, we got this. We we, we don't yeah. need you, Khalil. Go ahead and take a rest. We we got this. And sure yeah. enough, they yeah, had it. Bill Belichick on the sidelines with the steno pad. We got these guys. We, <laughs> <laughs> we got this. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was the Bears. So I, I tell my uh, friends at the bowling alley who are from the uh, the other teams in the conference uh, or, or in the division rather. Uh, I have one friend who is uh, a big uh, Packers fan because she's uh, from Wisconsin. I have another friend who's a big Vikings fan because she's uh, I believe she's oh she's sure. from Minnesota, but she uh, uh, knows somebody knows some people up there in Minnesota, I believe. So they they always come to me when I get to the bowling alley and, and talk stuff to me because the Bears have been garbage for most of the last few years. But this year I've been coming to them and saying, hey, can you tell me who's in first place in the NFC North? Because I keep forgetting. Can you let me know? Well, now. Complete snake guy. That's, and that's exactly what I tell you. I'm bragging now because at the end of the year it's not going to be Chicago. But I'm bragging. I'm getting it out of the way now while I can. So – that's it, Chicago fans. Enjoy it while you can. The first place, Chicago Bears. Just you don't have to worry about the end of the year. Just enjoy it now. Now, now that I actually think about it, I can imagine that Belichick was standing on the sideline with a seno pad, probably making out like a grocery list. Yeah, I think I need some cheese. I think I'm out of cheese. Eggs, milk. Don't forget the dry bread. cleaning. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> just. I can kind of imagine that's probably what he was doing because they, you know, they had it. They, they had these guys. You probably didn't even have to worry about coaching the game. Do we have cold cuts? To, I forget. Do we run a ham? I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. That's what and, he's talking and, to on his headset. He's talking to his wife. Can you look in the fridge? <laughs> Aren't you coaching the game? No, 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 no. We got this. We got these we guys. We got this. And again, the Bills played so hard. They tried so hard. Yeah. Like, just imagine, like, the, you know, we always talk about the bully. Like, the Patriots were the big bully, like, holding the little kid on the top of his head at arm's length, and the little kid's just flailing his arms just trying to hit him. Swing it away. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the visual representation of Patriots-Bills right there. I mean, even if they get that touchdown to Kroom and, and get within two, they're not winning the game. I don't know oh, what no. the Patriots do on the drive on the next drive, but they're they're not giving the ball back to Buffalo uh, unless they score and give the ball back to Buffalo. The Bills still were not winning that game. It's just that they they guarantee that they're going to cover pretty much if they get that touchdown. Oh, you yeah. go from you go from down two on a fourteen point spread to still down uh, six or whatever, uh, and or down eight. 
went from down two to, to back down eight, and then to pick six to go to, oh. uh and it was just it was over at that point. So that that was just crushing. Well, that one really got you. Because I stayed up and watched that shit, and I had oh. hope for three and a half quarters. I had hope. You had it. You had the locks. You had me crushed for the week. You had you were going to go two locks up on me, which halfway through the season that that's hard. I'm sorry. You're not, you, I was going to lock in. Yeah. I was going to lock in the spread the 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 lock of the week taking the team playing against the Patriots twice. That was going to be my second lock because I locked up Detroit uh, against New England a few weeks ago. And I was going to get two locks over New England, which would really validate my claim that the Patriots are wildly overrated and, and are never winning another Super Bowl again. Um, and, they, boy, you talk about just pulling it out of your ass and, and somehow getting that cover. I just, oh, it, it, it was a long time. I, I did not sleep well uh, last night. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what, well, anything else? I mean, it's it's kind of like week eight. I mean, I don't know if there was anything. I think we talked just about almost every game. Um, we did not talk about San Fran, Arizona, and we're not going to. Nope. Uh, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, don't need to. We already kind of talked about the overall result of that. With the uh, coach getting fired, that that was the big drama that came out of that game. Otherwise, I think we talked about uh, about every game on the docket. We 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 did it. We recapped it all. Uh, I'm not trying to pump up the Colts too much or too hard, but uh, I do want to say that the uh, NDO thriving with Andrew Luck the way they are doing it yeah. with Ty Hilton not being anywhere near a hundred percent. That's a that's a thing. That's something. That that's kind of impressive. I never thought the Colts would run for a hundred yards in back to back games like they have. A Marlon Mack apparently is is uh something to behold for the Colts, so that's good for them. But the fact that they've got the offense running uh, at all with T. Y. Hilton still kind of hobbling around out there, that's 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 very good for them. It, it it bodes well for them. They still play in a even though Jacksonville's been bad, that's that's a tough division. Um, it is, but the Jaguars D playing like this, they can lose to the Colts if they if the defense is playing like this. They could. I mean, they, they get them twice. I believe when I looked at the Jags schedule, they come off the bye at Indy, or they play Indy right away off the bye. I don't know if it's at, if it's home or away, but the, the way that they come off of the bye uh, is right away at the. At, you know, let me take a look here. Make sure it's correct here. Yes, at the Colts. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, if they're not ready right off the bat, they haven't uh, figured it out and, and recovered like I hope that they have. Then yeah, they can get beat. No, no, uh, would not be surprising at all. Yeah, no, and Andrew Luck's Andrew Luck's playing well. I, I didn't expect him to to play terrible. Um, their defense still isn't very good. They've never fixed that problem. No, uh, just like the Bears that you were talking about, the, the 80s Bears, that gets fixed over years and years and years of good drafting, yeah. not just uh, one or two. Yeah, the Jags put together their defense slowly. The The teams that try to buy the defense, they'll just, just spend all $100 million on defense. Oh, yeah, where are the Giants right now? Uh, Not good. One and seven. 
not good at all. So I don't know if you wanted to do any uh, sort of rapid fire, real or fake. I was looking at some of these records and yeah, I, I, you know, I've always got some real bad takes on real or fake. I don't ever <laughs> well with these, but sometimes it's just my stubbornness. But no, we're at that halfway point, so some this is more of like almost like a reassessment for us of what we thought of teams now. Now we're at the halfway point. There's some teams that have let us down, like Jacksonville. I actually am uh, motivated uh, because they're close to our hearts um, and uh, close to our former geography, but I'm motivated to start with the entire NFC North because you can kind of go one way or the other on all four teams. And oh, the, sure. the the net points, uh, the, the plus minus right now is what's so shocking about that division. Cause I don't know if you had any idea, but right now Chicago is absolutely sprinting away in plus minus, which is usually a decent indicator of who's real or fake. But when you look at it this way, you would think Chicago is very real uh, using just that metric. And I don't think either one of us think they're very real, but uh, let's just jump right the defense is very real. So let's jump right into it. Chicago at four and three, a half a game on top of the division at the moment, and a plus minus on the year of 50. 50. That's right. 50 old points. The Chicago Bears, real or fake? Uh, I'm going to say their defense is real. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're as real as that defense is going to stay and keep them in games and, and, and dominate. If they can keep getting the defensive performances, they are going to to win games. Now, real as far as deep playoff run real, nah, then I'm going to say fake. Chances to win the division, nah, they're real. Okay. Um, the reason I'm going to go fake is because the quarterback and the offensive play is so hit or miss right now. And as a result, I can't imagine them keeping that plus minus up through the entire year uh, because it sure seems like Mitch Trubisky has got some more really bad decisions and really bad games in him. And I, and I admire his guts for all the running that he's doing, and I admire the playmaking potential there, and I admire the creativity that is shown by Matt Nagy. That still, to me, is a, is a duo uh, that I think is – in it for the long haul in Chicago that I think they're going to be the uh, contenders for one of the quarterback uh, coach genius combinations uh, in the, in the vein of uh, McVay and golf and uh, P- Peterson and Wentz and guys like that, obviously not at that level, but coming up uh, right behind that potentially in the future. This year, no. I, I think he, he still makes too many mistakes, so I, I, I unfortunately have to go fake on him. No, I, I don't know, and maybe it's because I, you know, we only know what we've seen, and obviously we've seen Wentz and we've seen Goff kind of bloom. I don't know if – I don't think – I think Trubisky's like more of like a second-tier type guy. Even if he reaches his full potential, I don't think he gets to what those guys can do. I don't think so either, but – I just kind of had a scary uh, thought uh, uh, when you were talking about that second tier quarterbacks who hook up with really great defenses and wind up winning rings or whatnot. Oh, yeah. Maybe he, maybe he's Eli Manning. Maybe he's, uh, you know, can 
latch oh, yeah. on and, and the, yeah, and just skyrocket behind a, a great defense. And, and he doesn't have to be Carson Wentz. He doesn't have to be Jared Goff putting up 350 yards a game. So I'll take that. I'll take Eli Manning's career, even though he's bad. Um, the Minnesota Vikings are 4-3-1, and one, and their plus-minus is only two. And maybe they've been disappointing uh, so far this year, uh, depending on how you see things. So Vikings yeah. real or fake? Offensively, they've scored the most points of any team in that division, although they have an extra game played over the Bears and only have three points more than the Bears. How about yeah. that? Um, I, no, I think we both think that the Vikings, uh, even with their early season bumps here, are still, I think they're real. Um, I, I fear for Kirk Cousins and what I know he will eventually do to them but they're better than what they've shown. They lost. They had that really ugly loss to Buffalo, which I think kind of soured a lot of people on the Vikings. They had to come back in the fourth quarter against Green Bay to tie that team, but that was you know sort of that valiant comeback, which also showed the blemishes with that Packers defense. But I still think that the Vikings are the class of the division this year. So I'm going to say real. It's really hard to call it uh, either side for me. I can, I, I almost want to lean fake because they've been so unimpressive so far at home. Uh, you talked about the Buffalo game, uh, this game against New Orleans, where it almost felt like they didn't have a chance in the second half after New Orleans started really ball controlling them and, and keeping it away from them. Uh, the Kirk Cousins soul crushing turnover that you've been predicting since he got signed and he, and he came through for you on Sunday night. Uh, so there might be more of that in the future. Uh, I don't know what to make of them right now. Uh, I, I guess I would buy a, buy a hair lean towards fake and that would leave almost by default, leave green Bay to sort of ascend back to the top and win that division. Unless you think Detroit is going to be the one that takes over. But uh but yeah, Minnesota worries me, man. They they haven't been stopping balls through the air at all. It feels like the secondary got old all at once, uh, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust them right now. Yeah, it's tough with Kirk. It's this week. I called this with Cousins. He he wanted the big contract. He wanted the big money. He didn't earn it. I mean, this wasn't like Scott Mitchell bad, you know, but. It's going to end, this, this is going to be one of those contracts they're going to regret. He's not taking them there. He's not getting them to the promised land. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so either. So Green Bay right on the even line at 3-3-1, three, three, and one, and they also have the plus-minus of only two, uh, so they can go either way. So Green Bay, real or fake? Yeah, Packers are winless on the road. Uh, they should have lost. That, that tie against the Vikings was weird. They should have won. They should have lost. They should have won. They should have lost. They got missed field goals, blown coverages. But their defense, for me, is what makes me say that they're fake. Um, losing Ty Montgomery will at least eliminate the, the, the Mike McCarthy tendency to try to lean on him in the rushing attack and, and you know and Aaron Jones is clearly the best running back on that team he showed that again against the Rams Aaron Rodgers as long as you have him they're dangerous but I, I think that their uh, undoing is going to be that that defense they get they get beat deep over the top way too easy blown coverages missed assignments they like they have guys double dead Adam Thielen double teamed 
at the end of that Viking game and let him score the game tying touchdown. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go on that defense. I'm going to say fake. But you mentioned the one sentence that's going to make me very slightly lean real. As long as they have Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this guy has been playing his behind off all season ever since that gruesome knee injury in the opening night against Chicago that I thought was going to take him out for weeks at a time. And he's missed nothing. Uh huh. At least uh, weeks at a time and maybe for the whole year. Uh, and, and he hasn't missed a, a beat. Uh, not just still played, but played well and has accelerated and played better and better and better as the weeks have gone on. Uh, he's amazing. He is uh, He's a Hall of Famer. There's no questioning about it. Like with Eli Manning, he is a Hall of Famer and he's earned it. He, he plays like a Hall of Famer. Uh, he, he's a gamer. He, he's gutsy. He's tough. Uh, and tougher than maybe uh, we've felt over the years that he, he does seem to get nicked up every now and then, but you can't say anything about his toughness playing through this thing right now. Cause like you said, we both thought he was going to be down for a long, long time. I, I think he's going to just win some games. I think he's going to will them to some wins that, uh, that normally uh, they would lose. Uh, and the defense is absolutely a question mark. It, it is a worry. Um, and it winds up costing them the game. Uh, against the the Los Angeles Rams almost cost them the cover, but I think that's the Rams. I, I don't think they play the LA Rams the rest of the year or competition like that. So I think they can overcome other teams just with Aaron Rodgers, just Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers and, and airing it out. I think they're going to win a, a lot more games. They probably should just because how great Aaron Rodgers is playing. And now maybe it even opens up uh, some confidence for Aaron Jones. You get Montgomery out of there and, uh, maybe it's just him and Jamal Williams and, and they can concentrate on uh, sort of stabilizing the running game and, and that can only help. So that's a good thing for them. So very slightly, I'm going to call the Packers real. Okay. Now that leaves Detroit. We're, we're not done with that division. The whole division is, is very much up in the air because Detroit is only three and four, uh, but their, their plus minus is not blowing it's not blown out of the water. They're minus, but they're only minus 15. So yeah. they're right there. Uh, and Matthew Stafford is capable of big games himself, although they just traded Golden Tate, one of his weapons. So Detroit Lions, real or fake? I'm going to say that they're fake. I, I, I like – I still like the offense. They've actually been able to uh, run the ball, carry on Johnson. What, what do you have, back-to-back 100-yard games for them after they'd gone – like five seasons without a hundred yard rusher. So if they could get any kind of a semblance of a running game going, you know, and Matthew Stafford's a good enough that he'll just, he'll find dudes. He's one of those types of quarterbacks who, you know, he, you look up at the end of the season, he's going to have his 4,500 or 5,000 yards and, and he'll have thrown the ball to just, just guys. And those guys will go out there, and the ball will be so well-placed, and they'll make plays. Remember, remember when a few seasons ago the knock on the Lions was that those receivers couldn't get any separation? Like, every time Stafford would hit the receiver, the guy got tackled immediately. Like, their their yak was was abysmal. Um, I, I, I think they're just going to they're gonna be one of those teams that just they score points, but they just find ways to lose. So I don't know what it is with them. I don't know if it's coaching, uh, defense. There's just something about the Lions just screams fake to me. 
Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, a big part of that is just this trade with Golden Tate. I can't stress this enough. You traded one of the top weapons in the receiving yeah. core for a draft pick. Like, what they are don't. you doing? You're. No. I, I think they just know. Maybe good on them for recognizing and getting something for him while they could, but to me, that was just like, what are you, what, what's going on there? So you're going to rely on, on Marvin Jones and, and Kenny Galladay now. And it's just, you, you, it, it felt like they were building an offense with, with uh, the running game with carry on Johnson. It felt like they were building a, a more rounded offense, much more than they've had in recent years. They haven't been able to run the ball for shit for years now. And now finally they get a semblance of a running game. And now they start giving away weapons uh, in the passing games. So that, to me, just blew me out of the water. So whatever way I may have been leaning uh, real for them, that really put me on the fake side because I think they're almost – it's almost like they're trying to tank. It's like they're trying to lose now. That wouldn't be shocked. Four teams in that division. All four of them can't make the playoffs. Yeah, but it's like the Brewers. Just try. You never know what'll happen. Just just try. I, I had the Lions finishing third. I actually had predicted this would be the Packers finishing last and Mike McCarthy getting bounced. So well, I could still be. There's a half a. I was about to say there's a half of a season left, and any of those four teams can go either way, and that's why I I picked that division to go real or fake because it's so uh, captivating because all those teams really have a have a case for for either side. When that whole division uh, column is only separated by one game. Yeah, it is really, really tight. Uh, so I would uh, avoid the uh, the obvious ones like the Saints and the Rams and the Chiefs and the, and the Real. Patriots. Real. <laughs> real, real, and real. Um, so I'm trying to uh, look up and down the list of some compelling teams. I'm not even going to – the Eagles are 4-4. Four and four. I'm not even going to put them up for that because I think we both think they're going to obviously play a lot better than this yeah, uh, going forward. Uh, your Redskins that you picked to make the playoffs uh, before the year began are – they're five – they're plus minus is 12. They're 5-2, and two, and their plus minus is 12. Alex Smith is their quarterback. That's why their plus minus is only 12. Yes, they exactly. The run the ball and they play defense. They, that's the formula. I picked them to win a wild card. That's all. Five and two, they got a good shot. They got the inside track. I don't think they're going to win the division. But, you know, do I think that they, as a, as a, as a playoff team, I think they're real. As a playoff threat, they're fake. You know. Yeah. They lose the Saturday afternoon game. I don't, probably, I don't even... I still don't have them even getting that far. There's so many things to me that point to fake. The, you already mentioned Alex Smith as the quarterback. There's only so high the ceiling is for your offense when Alex Smith is your quarterback. And we, I think we agree that Adrian Peterson eventually will turn to dust and will just completely crumble and fall apart. And he's been great for a half a year, but yeah. that, that season-ending injury is coming somewhere down the road. And when that happens, their backup running back, I think, is either Chris Thompson or Capri Bibbs, and that's not good. Uh, so it's just a matter of time as far as I'm concerned. The defense has been uh, better than I thought. Uh, very sturdy front seven, as I already gave them credit for. But 
Uh, ultimately, I, I can see a, a five or six game losing streak coming. I know they have a very soft schedule as well, but that's how it usually works is you, you have all these games that you think you're going to win and you lose one and then you lose another and it starts weighing on your mind and you don't really know how to recover and you lose another one and uh, it just kind of snowballs from there. So I, I'm still calling them fake. I'm, I'm, be, I'm being even more stubborn than you are. You are. I'm sticking by the team. I mean, the team I picked to make the playoffs is five and two. I'm not failing on them. Sure. I, I got that, but I got them five and two and not making it. So I'm definitely not a believer. Um, and then the Cowboys at three and four with a plus minus of 17. So they can go either way. And they just add Amari Cooper, which should be a sure. huge deal for them. So Dallas Cowboys, real or fake? They're fake. <laughs> I don't trust the quarterback. I don't trust the coach. Sean, Sean Lee, oh, he's going to get hurt again. He's <laughs> diverticulitis or something. I mean, you know, who knows? He's going to get something strange, and he's going to get knocked out. So, yeah. Great I don't Sean Lee. I don't trust Jason Garrett. I don't trust the, I don't trust the law. I, I don't trust that Jason Garrett is smart enough to utilize all those weapons the right way. So I think they're fake. No, I concur for that reason. I don't think that he knows. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he, he's going to be so tempted to, to use Amari Cooper like he's Des Bryant or Michael Irvin and just try to bomb away with him all the time. But he's got, Dak Prescott is his quarterback trying to bomb away to him. And I am well on record as saying that I don't think Dak Prescott is very good. I think he had an excellent rookie season because they gave him very little to do and they let him sort of game manage and ball control. And from that point forward, since his rookie year, he hasn't impressed me very much. Uh, and, so, and yeah. I'm uh, sorry. I, I'm going to hold that no. up for a second. No, 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 go right ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just—I just jumped into my brain, and I just had to say it. Don't, he lucked into that job. Tony Romo's back is is the reason that yeah. Dak Prescott got that opportunity. He literally backed into that job. Well, let's see what. You're doing. So, saying, but yeah, no, he—he he wasn't like they drafted him to be their future. And we we started I, we started with the with the black Jesus and. All that stuff that pre overhyped <laughs> he was because he was oh having in that first preseason and 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 you know and then all he had a decent rookie season. He hasn't lived up to the hype. He hasn't lived up to the expectations. He is not their quarterback two seasons from now. Maybe even next year. I, I would certainly hope so, but uh, I would also hope that that's not the coach next year either, and I'm not so sure about that either. But again, the shipper for Brain's owner and, and general manager who's the same guy. Um, I don't know if he knows exactly what he's doing. I got a couple more NFC that I really want your opinion on, and, and then we'll do the AFC uh, next show or maybe next recap show. Yeah. I want to know, uh, speaking of great record, but the plus minus doesn't impress you very much. The Panthers are 5-2, and two, but their plus minus is only 26. So they've been hot shit the last couple of weeks, but before that, maybe not so much. So the five and two Carolina Panthers, real or fake? I'm going to go with fake, but I, I just need to see more because everything, all the hype for them has really just started these last couple of weeks. Actually, not even the last couple of weeks, the last 
five quarters because they were just getting completely annihilated by e- the Eagles. Oh, yeah. They, they lost to Washington. They barely beat the Giants. I mean, I, I already went through this. And then they they manhandled the Ravens. Okay, I'll give them that one, but that's not enough to make me go real. So I'm going to say fake till I see more. I'm going to say fake because – Cam Newton is such a front runner and he is he looks so great when he when he's good. He's he's not he's not good. He's never plays just good. He's either playing great and MVP or he's playing like crap. And right now he's playing great. He's playing MVP level football and he's taking uh end rounds and, and keepers and going around the corner and, and doing the Superman thing and scoring by himself. And everything looks wonderful and peachy keen. And the first time he gets smacked in the head trying to do that shit by somebody and he gets up you know going dumplings and wondering why he doesn't get the call or what have you and he goes right back in the tank uh playing like garbage uh that's when the panthers once again fall they really do uh uh succeed or fail depending on cam newton's play and cam newton is playing great right now but the reason i have to say fake is because he's so susceptible to playing like shit off the basis of getting hit hard once or twice, uh, not getting a call that he thinks he deserves once or twice, just totally throwing him off his game. Uh, that team is second in the league and running right now. Uh, it's not just McCaffrey. It's, it's, it's of course, Newton, of course, is uh, one of the most prolific running quarterbacks out there. Uh, but, but he sets himself up to either get frustrated or get injured. Uh, by his sort of reckless uh, me first style. His style of football is he needs the glory. He needs to uh, let everybody know that he's the man. And so he's, he's got to either make the huge throw or make the big run all the time. And I think eventually it's going to catch up to him again, as it has in pretty much every season, except for that MVP season. Uh, so that's why I'm going to go fake. Okay. And then I want to know about – the Seattle Seahawks, because you buried them pretty badly uh, before the season began, and here they are at four and three with a winning record. As we both say, they're not going to come anywhere near the division title, but four and three with a plus minus of forty. Uh, maybe they make a run in the playoffs if they can keep this going, and and they're in the playoffs at the moment. Of course, there's very long way to go in the season, but Seattle Seahawks, real or fake? Yeah, no. I- I hate to say it, but I'm going to go with real here. Um, Russell Wilson's been dynamite this year, very quietly getting it done. No, the reason what I look at for them, it's not their points. It's not the fact that they have the big plus minus. What I look at for them is at four and three, they still have six more home games. Mm. They're only played two of those games up in Seattle. So I know it's not what it used to be, but if they win four of those, that gets them to eight. And they still have three more away games, you know, and I'm going to take a guess that some of those games are against the Cardinals and the 49ers. I think they should can... be should, should be successful. You're saying <laughs> just saying, <laughs> um, actually their road, their road dates that are left. Yes. One of them is the 49ers. So they, they, the other two are actually Rams and Panthers. Those are tough. Oh, but 
they have tough home games left too, <laughs> but uh, they're they're sneaky. So I'm gonna go ahead and say real. But now that I'm I'm looking at their home games that are left, <laughs> it's not so great either. Chargers, you. Vikings, Chiefs. <laughs> mm. Some tough ones in there, but they always get that edge at home. So I'm going to say real. I think they can get to 10, which I think might get them into the playoffs. I'm, I'm surprised. You you turned around on them, and you've seen what they're doing and giving them their props. I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that. I'm going to agree and say real and just throwing a, a number out there that I didn't think uh, that they would get this great already with the with the Legion of Room moving on, but I'm looking at the 131 points allowed on the season for the Seattle Seahawks defense. And as far as NFC rank, that would be two, only behind the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, for their defense to rebound and be that good already, again, with all the, with all the young kids, Pete Carroll and that coaching staff has done a hell of a job uh, reconstructing and rebuilding that defense sort of on the fly. Uh, but that's the culture there. That's what I thought that they had a chance to do this year because they got the, the enough veterans still to sort of teach them how to, to be good and, and teach them how to be leaders. They had those leaders, Richard Sherman and, and guys like that. They've moved on, but there's still enough guys there to lead the, the, the younger guys, the younger generation and show them what to do. And they've been doing a very good job defensively. So uh, for them to be that stout already defensively, and, and they're, they're still young, so they might get even better, especially with all those home dates. So some of those teams coming in might have a surprise on their hands. The the, the Chiefs might actually have a, a, a fight on their hands. Uh, so I'm going to agree with you and go real on the Seahawks. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I, I – Definitely thought you were going to go fake there. Um, but, yeah, we can get into uh, to the AFC uh, uh, maybe next show uh, in the after show, something like that. Yeah, I don't that. think that really leaves us a whole lot, of, whole lot of time here. I do want to say very quickly, <laughs> I did not watch a single pitch of the World Series. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you exactly why. It's going to sound stupid, but you know why I didn't watch any of the World Series? I knew mm-hmm. what was going to happen. Well, I did too. But I knew yeah. that series wasn't going back to L.A. That's how I knew. I mean, back to Boston. I knew that that series that there was it was oh I knew it wasn't going to go more than five. So I had no, I had no desire to watch it. I knew it was sort of the the fate accompli that whoever won the ALCS was going to win the right. World Series, and I, I was com- supremely confident in that so much I didn't even bother watching. No, I I watched most of it, not all of it, but yeah, we both said the same thing that whoever won the ALCS is going to win the title, and that's exactly what happened. It was a little fascinating to see Boston just sort of will their way to it because that game, uh, the game four after the the all night marathon the night before, yeah. uh, L.A jumps out and I believe they're up for nothing uh, on the strength of a big Yasiel Puig home run. And he's celebrating like they won it all, of course. And you're thinking, Oh shit, the Dodgers are going to tie this thing up and everyone's all tired and beat up. And, 
no, no. The the Red Sox said, "Hold hold on a second. We're we're not done yet." And they bludgeon their way back and and tie it up and and, and eventually win it. Uh, just just slugging away, just because they're the, because they're the better team because they have the better uh, roster of guys to slug away and win and win games with their bats. And the Dodgers the, the Dodgers were deep, but they weren't deep in bashers. The Red Sox were deep in bashers. The Red Sox pulled Steve Pierce out of their ass to just keep hitting balls over the wall, and the the, yeah. the Dodgers didn't have anything like that to answer off their bench, um, and that really made a, a big difference. But if he didn't do it, it was going to be J.D. Martinez or Mookie Betts or Ben Attendee or somebody else, Jackie Bradley uh, hitting in a nine-hole slugging for them. It, it, that team was just – they were too loaded. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So, But you look at the uh, contributions that they got. They got – uh, Steve Pierce going off. They get a three-run yeah. pinch-hit home run from Eduardo Nunez in that series. They're just pulling guys from nowhere. Who's going to come Mitch Moreland just yeah. wakes up and hits a homer. Yeah. No, they, that that team that team was completely loaded, but quietly loaded because everybody looked. At, everybody was looking. At, actually, most people looked at the Yankees. All oh, the Yankees have all the mashers, you know. And they, no, it, the, the Red Sox had mashers, but they had balance. Yeah, they had more positions man. filled of mashers. Yeah. That team just beat you so many ways. Not every guy had to hit 40 home runs, but every guy was a threat. Yeah, the, the Dodgers had the... holes in that lineup. You could you could maneuver your way through that Dodger lineup, and the Red Sox did. Yeah, they did. And the Yankees got the press before the season and deserved it when you have Aaron Judge do what he did in his rookie year, and then you add Michael Stanton, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the muscle, those two, just, just those two and, and with other guys in that lineup and, and they thought Gary Sanchez would, would be sort of the third Oof. guy there. Uh, didn't Oof. quite work out. No, that but, did not go well. But yeah, position by position, man to man, uh, the Red Sox was the, were the better team and, and they deserved to win the title. Yeah, no, so full congratulations to the Red Sox. I knew they were going to, I knew one of those, I knew if it wasn't them, it would be the. The Astros. Yeah, but the Astros couldn't get it going. They no. they were stuck in in a, in a different gear. And the Red, Red Sox, Sox lost one game them. in every series. Yeah. So they go three one four one four one. That's how you do it. Dominant. Yeah, they deserve. Can't take it. anything away from them. So yeah, now we 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 move into the hot stove now. Yep, it's. That time of year, got the halfway point of the NFL and, and baseball ending, and you know, the holidays just around the corner. It's uh, it's all starting to come to that that time of year. Halloween tomorrow night, so the autumn fall colors in the air, a little chill in the air, and yeah, uh, so all, all of that so good time. I remember. Uh, so just talk a little NBA here, you know, because the big story now every every game is you know LeBron right with the Lakers. Like every game is like national press, like what they do. I I gotta say I'm feeling like completely convinced that it it wasn't just moving into the tougher conference that's gonna do him in. You know, and the Lakers clearly know they're not winning the title this year. I think he's just gonna wear out. I don't think he's used to all the running. I mean, you got teams in the West going for like 140 every night. What happened in the NBA? It's like all-star games now. Yeah, it is. These, num- these, uh, these scores I'm hearing are just not like 140, 126. Like, what? 
Yeah, I I could fill an hour of podcast describing what the what the NBA has evolved into, but basically, there's evolved. never been a better. Huh? I said evolved or devolved. <laughs> no, it's it's an evolution. It's okay. there's never been a there's never been a higher caliber of athlete on on each team. You think about the typical like twelfth man in the NBA now is uh, he would be an all star in 1985 or 1990. There's a lot of reasons for that, I'm sure, international talent and all that too, right? Yes, uh, that, that's a big part of it. There's, there's a lot more uh, European guys that, that fill up those those roles as well. Uh, but it's a combination, the, the short answer is a combination of there's never been a better caliber of athlete and there's never been a better uh, uh, trained of, of, of three-point range. There's never been better training at long-distance shooting. Everybody that steps on the floor uh, can hit a three. And I'm talking about the, the seven foot three uh, uh, Nigerian center can hit a three now. Everybody uh, is, is a long distance marksman at some point. And, and there's never been a, a better grade of shooters uh, in the league combined with the athleticism. And that's why you're getting a game right now that looks like it's something like a, a video game. It looks like a PlayStation game. Yeah, it's nuts. It's just these numbers that I'm seeing every night are just they're they're they are absolutely insane. And it's not Clay just Thompson like it's the West Coast. He set the record. Fourteen, 14 triples in one game. That is right out of NBA Live. And that's Clay Thompson. That's not Steph Curry. That's Clay no, Thompson. He broke Steph Curry's record. Right. Steph's going to hit fifteen and win or two. But, uh, no. Now they're just toying. Now, now it's just they're not even there to win the game because they're going to do that anyways. They're just now they're just out there to beat each other's personal records. Oh, by the way, Kevin Durant's still on that team. Like I said, just no caliber of athlete uh, in the in the league. Not it, it's ridiculous. Every team is just so loaded right now. Did I see Jimmy Butler finally get traded? Did I miss that, or did I see that right? If that happened tonight, then I missed it. Okay, I I thought I saw. It hasn't happened yet. I don't believe. Okay, I thought I saw either it was rumored because I know you because he demanded it. You know. Right, okay. right. That always goes so well. <laughs> no, he's he's still the man. He's still there. Oh, I don't know. I thought I saw a news blurb that he got moved, but that must have either just been a rumor or something. But okay, he's still there. Yeah. Like hell on opening. <laughs> In Minnesota. Deserved it. Yes. Over his city, so of course he deserved that. He, he, yeah, I I don't understand that one um, at all. Just as an example of what the league is, even the Grizzlies down here in Memphis are hitting threes and running up and down the court. The Grizzlies! (laughs) Remember how they played just a few short years ago with Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol just banging and and bruising everybody up and Tony Allen and whatnot, even they had to evolve because if you don't, you're going to get absolutely run off the fucking court every night because the caliber of athlete right now is ridiculous in the NBA. Oh, man. So, yeah, we got a little basketball talk into it, but I, I just think LeBron's going to run out of gas. I think he's smart enough to take it easy on a lot of those trips up and down the court. I don't think he's going to be going all 100% every time. Okay. I think he also knows he's on a bad team. Oh, sure. 
That was never a question. <laughs> well, you know, there, there's a very there's a very strong likelihood that all the extra playoff basketball that he's played, those like two, three extra seasons worth, what he's done over the last you know what eight years, um, he might get he might get some rest this postseason. Fine. Yeah. He, he very well might, but no, he, he's. Uh, I think he knows what's going on. I think there's no secrets there uh, with the Lakers is how bad they're going to be, <clears throat> and you're probably going to see him take a lot of nights off as well. It's, it, I think that that's another part of the NBA. That, that part maybe is a, a de-evolution is with all this running up and down. A lot of guys are not playing as many games. You don't see hardly anyone play 82 anymore. Uh, because it's, it's so hard going that fast to, to play 82 like that. So see a lot of guys just, okay, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not playing tonight. I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm in a DNP CD. DNP old, right? <laughs> well, that was the Tim Duncan uh, designation. Yeah. This is the best one. play old. Did not. <laughs> oh, Popovich was having a good laugh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's definitely a pop move. All right. Well, so we call it a night. Yeah, we uh, we're good for Saturday for our pick show. Uh, yes. Yep. I don't have anything going on. Yes, uh, perfectly fine for Saturday. All right, sounds good. Uh, Saturday night at 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. Eastern, to pick Week Nine in the NFL as we start to go on the other side of the second half of the season. Boy, it just feels like uh, it's almost got that wide open feel uh, like last year. That feel like any team can sort of come and 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 take the crown. You got the two at the top uh, in, in each conference. You got the Chiefs and the and the Rams, but uh, you got the sort of the Patriots sort of always hanging around there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is just me uh, being a hater or whatever. Both the Chiefs and the Rams, the way they're playing. I feel like they can get beat because they're playing at such a top level. Like there haven't even been uh, any hints of the offense going sort of sideways. They, they're just steamrolling everybody. Um, so I, I feel like once you sort of throw a wrench in there and, and break them up and, and trip them up a little bit, that maybe they'll start, you know, looking around a little bit like, eh, are we as good as we thought we were? You know, so I'm sort of waiting for that to happen for both of those teams. Yeah, they haven't really. Neither one of them. I mean, the Patriots beat the Chiefs. That was a forty-three forty barn burner. Yeah, it wasn't. They really, didn't throw a wrench in the Chiefs. Yeah, nobody jumped they up and punched them out. Right? It wasn't really at right. first. And, Not and at that's all. what I. They haven't. You know, and the Rams, the Packers gave the Rams all they could handle, and they were up early in that game. And the Rams sort of scraped. They 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 they, they faced a little adversity in that game. Some of their weaknesses really did come through, but they managed to win. So I'd say the Rams have dealt with a little bit more adversity than the Chiefs have um and, and come out and come out a little better for it. But the, and the Chiefs the Chiefs problem is their defense is terrible. Right. So it, it, there's no perfect team. So that's that's sort of the beauty of it right now is there's no one team that's dominant on both sides of the ball. The teams that all have these great offenses have a little bit more suspect defenses. Um, cause even the Rams are getting gouged on the ground and their defense has not been that great over the last four or five weeks. The Vikings, 